saying things like that. And, you know, we started off this morning really, you know, just our, my immediate family, our, you know, my, my, my husband, son, daughter, and grandchildren, and then Marlon and, and uh, Randall came in, and then you guys came in. And, you know, it's, it's a slow morning. I texted my daughter this morning. I said, how's it going over there? And she said, right here, <laughs> right out here in the yard. I said, how's it going over there? And she said, it's uh, slow but going. And so I don't know what's going on this morning. I think it's maybe the winter weather and the fall and the heaters and just a lot of things are happening in our lives. And, and um, our minds are preoccupied with a lot of things. And the Lord moved upon her and my son, I guess, for the, the they collaborate on what the, the, the set, the worship set will be. And, and I believe that God spoke to them and gave them the songs that we sang. And they line right up with the word that we have for, for you this morning, that the Lord gave me uh, for this morning. So turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 32 while I'm, while I'm setting this up, talking to y'all. Today we're going to be talking about the attributes of God. We're not going to cover all the attributes of God, and that's not the title of the, of the message this morning. If there, the message might be, He always does right. He being God. God always does right. Everything that God does is right. And sometimes our human selves contest that. Sometimes our human selves come up against the very God, our, our very creator, our very savior, and just our attitude, and just our thought processes. Sometimes we, we come up against him thinking, well, God, this can't be right. God, you, you, why would you do this? Why would you do it like that? Why would God, you know, he's God. He'll stop you in your tracks when you start thinking that way if, you, if you're paying attention. He'll shut you down real quick. Because why? Because he's God. Amen? What does that mean that he's God? That he's a little statue that sits on the shelf? And we roll past him and rub his head for good luck? Good fortune? No? Is he, is he a, a statue or a, a poster or a, a, a wall hanging or something that we, we, we bow down and we pray to it? No. Is it a big statue somewhere in the, in the United States or someplace else in the world that, that we take pictures of it and put it up on our wall and we think, oh, this, this makes my house more holy and more safe? No. This sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? It's kind of humorous, but this is the things I have seen with my own eyes. Is, it, is, God, is God this invisible being out there somewhere, just, want, just floating around? And sometimes we might, we might have some strange uh, accidental encounter with him. Is he the one that created the heavens and the earth and then went back up to heaven and crossed his arms and said, there you go, humans, you deal with it? No. None of these are God. None of those are attributes of our God. If we read our Bible and we study the word of God, then we know that those things are not true. You know, I would not have you ignorant, little children, to who our God is. And God would not have you ignorant to who he is. And we are given this written word, this word of God, that we can study him and learn of him and that we should not be deceived. Amen? So that's just setting us up this morning. Praise the Lord. Everybody there, Deuteronomy 32? 
as my brother likes to say, do the laundry. Deuteronomy chapter 32. I used to wonder why you say do the laundry, you know, because lots of times it's kind of a word play and it kind of helps me remember how to say Deuteronomy. Do the laundry. But if you read Deuteronomy, it'll do your laundry. You get it? <laughs> it's more than just a word play. It, it, you, know, you begin to read the book of Deuteronomy, you begin to, to say, Lord, I need to straighten up a little bit. You begin to recognize a little bit more about how God feels about things. Amen? All right, we're going to read chapter 32, verses 3 and 4. Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses three, verse 3. We'll start in verse 3. 32, verse 3. Mm-hmm. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. He is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. The next verse, and I'm not going to go into it, but the next verse begins to kind of show you how human attributes and how humans act and how they conduct themselves. But see, God, he's just and right. He's just and right. There's no shadow of turning in him. Everything he does is perfect judgment. It's, it's not judgment based on how he feels towards one or the other. It is perfect judgment. It is upright and just. Amen? He doesn't waver. He doesn't falter. He is not tossed to and fro like the wind and the waves. Amen? He may move, and he does, like the wind, that we don't know where he's going or when he's coming, but he will let you know in 20, on his time. Amen? So when God does something, it's just. God is a just judge. Amen? He is judgment. He is just. He is right. Let's read it one more time because I want you to get it down into your spirit. I want you to understand with your mind, submit with your will, and give over with your emotions to who God is. That's your soul. We need to let your soul receive and sing and and, and understand who God is. Our soul is part of our mind. Our mind is part of our soul. And we, we tend to try to figure things out. Amen? It's, our, it's kind of our human nature to try to get down all the books and spread them out on the floor or pull them along in a ba- duffel bag with us. And you, you have all the books and all the highlighters and all the pens and watch all the TV shows and watch all the preachers and watch all the teachers and, and even go over here and listen to what this soothsayer might say. Maybe that might kind of sort of apply even though they might, they're wrong. You know, it's, you know maybe they got... No. We have a relationship with a loving Father. Amen? He has given us his word, and at the greatest cost, he has given us salvation that is undergirded and brought forth by the Holy Ghost Spirit, the Spirit of God himself. Amen? We don't need to run around looking. We don't need to try to figure him out. He tells us who he is. He teaches us, and he leads us, and he guides us. Does this make sense? 
Praise God. Let's read it again. Verse 4. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. God is just and God is right. He is holy. Turn with me. Okay, Lord. I was wondering why you gave me that one. Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. Just keep going towards the middle of your Bible. You'll get there to the after songs and Proverbs, Song of Solomon. You'll come up on the book of Isaiah there. Everybody there? Chapter 1, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 1. And we're going to skip all the way down to verse 5. Why should ye be stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even unto the head there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruising and putrefying sores They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers, devour it in your presence. And it it is desolate and overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard and as a lodge in the garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant. We should have been as Sodom and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. The Lord, you know, without him, when we don't submit to his perfect and just judgments, when we don't seek after his will and his ways and all that we do. The Bible says that if we will commit our ways unto him, our very thoughts will be established. When we begin to commit our ways someplace else or somehow else other than to the Lord, our thoughts begin to not be established. Amen. So when we commit our ways unto the Lord, your very thoughts will be established. That's wherein that sound mind comes from. That's where the furnishing of the sound mind comes from. Because you have committed your ways unto the Lord and that your footsteps are directed by his word and by his spirit. So when we are not in that way, we don't walk in that way. Look what happened to the people. The whole head is sick. When we look outside the, you know, our little group, I guess, you know, you look out to the world, you see what's going on in the nation, you see what's going on in the world, you see what's going on locally in our local governments and school government, you know, from the smallest government to the largest, and you see, it looks like the head is sick, doesn't it? It looks like the whole head is sick. From, the, from their soles of their feet to the tops of their heads, where is there any purity? Is there any right judgment left in the land? The only place we're going to find it is in him. Amen. 
The only place we're going to find it is in him. You can't take a good man and expect him to be a righteous and just leader like God. Amen? Lest he be a man of God and lest he be led by the Spirit, then you won't have just right, just judgments. You won't have righteousness in the land. Amen? When a man's ways please the Lord, he causes his enemies to be at peace with him. When, the head, when a nation is led by godly men and women, then God will cause those enemies to be at peace with us. Amen? Has there ever been a time in the nation, in the United States, since this is where we live, that every single person in office was just and right? So how is it that we, we've had times where we had all of our enemies seem to be at peace with us, and then we had other times where it seemed that all the enemies were angry at us? They're pulling the rugs out from under us, secretly doing things behind our backs, setting us up for a fall. Because when there's just a little bit of righteousness, just a little bit of righteousness can outweigh so much evil. Amen? Is that biblical? Amen. It's biblical. Because when you have one righteous man in office or one righteous woman in office, and that person begins to stand up, to cry aloud, and spare not, then God brings favor into that, that place. Amen? I'm going to get off of that. Turn with me to Genesis 18, 23. Let that word right there in Isaiah speak to you because there's more to it than just what we're, just what we're pulling out. There's a lot to it. And I, I, I could keep you all day, but I'm not going to do that. We're going to go to Genesis 18. Genesis 18, verse 23. Everybody there? Amen. All right. Genesis chapter 18, verse 23. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Who's he talking to? The Lord. Okay. Abraham's talking to the Lord. He says, Will you? He drew near to the Lord. He drew near and he said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be 50 righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for 50 righteous that are therein? That he, that be far from thee to do after this manner. This is a man who knew God. This is a man who had a relationship with God. Amen? This is a man that came out of a pagan nation. Am I right? Who began to have a relationship with God. Who began to forsake the pagan nation that he was part of, had been part of. And began to seek after God in all his ways. And began to seek God's ways and God's will and God's purpose presence and God and have conversations with God. So he's talking to God here and he says, far be it from you to do after this manner. Lord, that's not like you, he says. You're going to destroy this entire city even, even though there might be one righteous? 
Far be it from thee to do so. First, keep going in verse 25. To slay the righteous with the wicked and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. Who is the judge of all the earth? God. This is man. This is Abraham. Our righteous father Abraham talking to God, the Father, God Almighty. He's interceding for this wicked, wicked city that there might be one righteous. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? He's calling God righteous. He's reminding God of his righteousness. If you go down on through the story, and the Lord said, and if I find, the Lord answered him and said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am dust, but, but dust and ashes. Peradventure there shall lack Five and the fifty righteous. Wilt thou destroy the city for lack of five? And so what if there's only 45, Lord? The Lord said he would spare it for 50, but Abraham's, Abraham's bartering, I guess, kind of going back and forth. Like, well, what if there's only 45? And he said, if I find there 40 and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him again, and he said, peradventure, there shall be 40 found there. And he said, I will do it. I will not do it for 40's sake. And he said unto him, oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak. He knows he's treading on, <laughs> treading on uh, dangerous ground. He keeps coming back at God with it. But Lord, what if there's only, what if there's less than 40? Peradventure there be 30 be found. And he said, I will not do it. And if I, if I find 30 there. And he said, behold, now I have taken unto me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure there should be 20 found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for 20's sake. And he said, O Lord, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak yet but this once. Just one more, Lord. Peradventure there be found Ten. Ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way, and soon, as soon as he had left communing with Abraham, and Abraham returned unto his place. How many of us are interceding like that, having these kind of conversations with God? Just want to throw that out there and ask you this question. The Holy Ghost is just bearing witness all over the scripture. It's powerful this morning. God wants us to understand that he is so just and he is so righteous and yet he is so full of love and grace and mercy that he would not destroy, he would not have destroyed Sodom if there had been just 10 righteous men there. Just 10 righteous people in the, in the place. The place was so filthy and so et up, as my grandma, as my mother-in-law would say, et up with sin that there weren't even 10 righteous. There weren't even 10 people going to church, if you will. There weren't even 10 people praying and interceding. How many did they end up finding? How many righteous were there in Sodom and Gomorrah? Come on, Bible scholars. Shout it out for me. Just one. 
Just Lot. Just righteous Lot. Amen? Just one. So was Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed? Yes, it was. Did God save Lot and his family? Yes, he did. What happened to Lot's wife? She looked back. The angels of God, the messengers of God told him, don't look back. Let's go. Leave. Don't look back. She looked back. She was turned into a pillar of salt. Scientists and what are they called? Geologists and those people. Archaeologists. They have found like this pillar that they believe is her. I don't know how they know these things, but still there for all generations to see, to know. Don't look back. When he brings you out, don't look back. When he brings you out of something, don't look back and think, well, I'm going to go back to it. We're like a dog, the Bible says, like a dog returning to his own vomit. We don't look back. Amen? Don't go back to it. The Lord says, for ten people I will not destroy it. God is so just and so righteous and so full of mercy and grace that he found a way to bring Lot out. He was ready to destroy the whole place. Is this God's nature? Have we seen God feel this way before in the Bible? Yeah. Remember all these times with Moses and the people? These things that happened? The earth opened up and swallowed them. There was a time where God was ready to just, you know what? I brought all of them out of Egypt. I'm done with the way they're acting. I'm going to wipe them all out. I'm done with it. Didn't he not say that? Who interceded? Moses. Righteous Moses. Moses went before knowing that God could strike him dead. Right? But he went before God and he had the same type conversation like Abraham said. He said, Lord, this is really not who you are. You, you really, I know you're angry. I know that they did wrong, but take me instead. Take me in their stead. They, they need to know you. They need a relationship with you. I have a relationship. Go ahead and take me. Not knowing what God might decide, right? But he knew God's heart. He knew the attributes of God. He knew that God was just and that God was right. And that he knew when you go in to talk to the judge, it helps if you know the judge. It helps if you know how the judge is. You ever, you ever go to court and they say, oh, well, that one, that's a, that's a hanging judge. <laughs> oh, man, you don't want to have to stand before the hanging judge, right? But what else they say, um, other things, they say, oh, that one, they, he never lets anybody off. If you've got a speeding ticket and you have to go to that, that office before that judge, he's not going to let you off. Just forget it. You, it helps if you know what kind of judge you're standing before. Amen? And we know that our God is the righteous judge, and he always judges rightly and justly, full of grace and full of mercy, full of goodness. But he's also a God of wrath, a God of judgment the God of peace. He is holy and his ways are always right. His ways are always right. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation, all the way at the back of your Bible, the last book in your Bible. The book of Revelation. God is patient. God is merciful. God is judge. He is righteous. God is holy. His ways are always right. Has there ever been a time when God's 
Judgment was wrong. No, amen. Has there ever been a time when God's ways were wrong? Or the things that he said were wrong? No, he has never been wrong. You know, it's, it's just and right for us to tell our kids when we mess up. When we make, we make a mistake or we, we lose our, our cool or whatever and we, we say, you know, it's, it's right. It's right for us to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Because you don't want your kids to think that making mistakes is cool. Right? You don't want your kids to think that, I mean, it's okay to make mistakes. Don't get me wrong. You, you know, you might cut too far to the right or too far to the left when you're cutting out a, a, a pattern or something like that. And the, everybody makes those kind of mistakes. But when you completely lose it, or you, you do something ridiculous, you made some kind of big you know, mistake, you don't want to just shrug it off and act like, well, you know, we're all human, we're all prone to sin. You don't want your kids to see that, amen? It's right and just for us, say, for us to come and say, we messed up. Amen? You understand? Okay. I don't know why I had to say that, but I did. All right, so we are in Revelation chapter 14, verse 9. We're going to pick up in verse 9. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast, we're not talking about worshiping God, we're talking about what happens when we people worship the beast. Amen? And the third angel said, followed, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. God has wrath. And has anybody ever seen the wrath of God? I'm not talking about hot sauce you can buy in Louisiana. No, we have not. Ain't none of y'all seen the wrath of God. Amen? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We should be shouting right here. I, can be, I Sometimes I'll just think if I was an old-time Pentecostal church and somebody said, somebody's a pastor up there and say, ain't none of you ever seen the wrath of God. There's some grandma back there is going to jump up and start shouting because praise God, I sure have it. Amen? Amen. We just sit here going, nope, I ain't seen it. I don't want to see it. Lord. Amen? Ain't none of us seen the wrath of God. But this is what happens in the book of Revelation. He's warning us that if you are, if you bow down and you worship this, 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 any man, worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead and in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture. It's not diluted. It's not watered down into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. My, my, my. That's not where we want to be. Amen? That's not where we want anybody to be. But the point of reading the scripture is so that we understand that God is a God of wrath. And that he's not, gonna, he's not lightening up because we're getting closer and closer to the end time. That seems to be the, the trend going on in the, the quote-unquote church world today is that we seem to think that God is softening up and that he will just take whatever we offer him. 
This is the way, this is what I'm bringing to you. This is my vocation. This is what I want to do. I want to go over here. I want to do this. I want to do it that way. And God, you are so good and so full of mercy and so full of grace, God. I believe you're going to bless it. Lord, I, I, I ask you to bless me on this, 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 this adventure and I ask you to do these things for me. Why am I in this mess? God, why? And we begin to shake our hands and fist at God and say, why did you let me get into this mess? And God said, did I tell you to go there? Did I tell you to do that? Amen? We are supposed to be a people of intimate relationship with God the Father. Amen. Not a people who put God in our back pocket or in a box in our glove compartment and only pull him out when we need him. We are not a people who hang an amulet around our windshield, uh, wind, rear view mirror, and, and put our trust and hope and faith in that amulet to keep us safe. Amen? Or whatever it is might hang it up there. We are not a people who put on anything. If you're wearing a cross this morning, that cross is not going to protect you. Amen? That cross is not going to save you. That little metal piece of metal. I had one made out of whale's ivory that my dad made for me way back in the 70s. That thing is not going to save me. It didn't get me any closer to God. Amen? No thing. No thing. No image. Carved, printed. We got 3D printers now. Oh, well, I didn't carve it. I printed it off on a 3D printer. No. It's the same thing. Amen? We can't, any kind of image cannot save you. Only in the relationship with God the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Sealed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen? That's good preaching right there, y'all. It's good teaching, good understanding. Keep going with me. Jump back into Revelation right here. Verse 11, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and forever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. This is not something to play around with, y'all. If you begin to read the book of Revelation, there are so many things that we play around with in this generation that we just think, oh, it's not no big deal. It's no big deal. It's just cute. It's fine. Put wings on it, a little horn. It'll be just the cutest thing. It'll be a, throw some pixie, what do you call it, um, glitter on it, and we'll, we'll call it cute. You, the mamas in the room know what I'm talking about. Some of our teenagers and young people know what I'm talking about. They take some of the most vile things these days and literally put glitter and rainbows on it and call it cute and sell it to your little kids. They put it on their backpacks. They put it in their lunch boxes. They put it on the, the, the snack packer things that you buy at the grocery store for your kids to eat lunch. They put it everywhere. Why? Desensitizing people. Is part of Satan's game. Amen? There are demons all throughout the land, and they're all up in the, the, the marketing business, and they're telling the people what to do, and they're just listening wholeheartedly, whatever you tell me to do. And they may not even know they're listening to demons, but I've heard, heard and read testimonies of, of superstars and, and people who are famous. We'll just put leave, leave right there. And, and they said... That they knew that they had demons. They never told anybody. But they, if they didn't do what the demon told them to do, and that was the thing that made them famous, that was the thing that made everybody come and pay hundreds of dollars to see them, and that was the thing that would make people travel across country or across the world to come hear them and see them to buy their, their, their paraphernalia and stuff, 
That thing, if they didn't do that thing and perform that way, then that demon would torment them in this work, or this life. I'm telling you, our job is to go out into all the world and to tell people about Jesus Christ. We are supposed to be getting people set free from demons. Amen? We are supposed to be laying hands on people that they be healed. We are supposed to be casting out demons. Amen? And baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We are supposed to be doing these things. People are being led about by demons and we're just shrugging it off like they're, oh, well, they're just weird. I don't want to talk to them. Worse than that, I, I know that seems kind of demonic. But man, they sound good. I really like their music. I really like that guy's an actor, that girl's an actor. Man, they're just so good. I, 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 Pastor says it might be demonic, but you know, I really like it. I'm going to pay the $15 to go see this movie. I'm going to buy me a $5 popcorn and a 6 I don't know how much stuff costs me to take it. And a $5 coffee on the way out. And we wonder why the church is languishing. Where is your mind? Where is our hearts? What are we following after? What are we allowing? What are we putting up with? Scripturally, we are taught that if we see something going on and we look the other way, that we are guilty of it. Amen? If you're something, if something's going on and there's something you could do about it and you just ignore it, then you become guilty of that, that same thing. If I turn my ears to the poor man's cry, then my ears will become, my cries will become like that to, to the Father. That's my paraphrase. The, 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 we, we can't do that. Amen? We've got to be led by the Spirit. We've got to be led by His Word. And we have to do the things that God tells us to do. But it's not by works that any man should boast. It's by His grace. You're not saved by doing these things. But you continue in them and you do them because you love God and you love people. The Scripture doesn't tell us love God and love God's people. Amen? Ooh, got quiet. He said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? Well. All right. One more verse. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Our God is always right. He's always just. He always does right. Romans. I went right past it while I was talking. Romans chapter 5. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you glory. We ascribe greatness and glory and wisdom and honor. You are holy, Father. Unto your name, Lord. We praise you, Father. Romans chapter 5. We're going to pick up in verse 2. We might as well read verse 1, huh? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, you might be a little nervous thinking, well, God is full of wrath and he's, he's, he's a just God and he can get angry. But God can also rejoice and sing over you. I don't know if you got that scripture I sent out Friday night, but he will rejoice and he, our God, our Father, will sing over us. What a place to be in his presence, hiding into the shadow of his wings, as it were, while he sings over us. 
Glory to God. What a place to be. What a place to, to set our sights on. Lord, I want to be in your presence. Lord, I want to hear you sing over me. I've heard the angels, but I want to hear you, Lord. Amen. I want to hear your voice as you sing over me. And it will flow through your very being. It will bring healing. It will bring restoration. It will give you word. We need to be there. Amen. We need to be there more and more and more. Because when you go out onto the streets, you get, you get attacked. There's stuff coming at you from every angle. You need to be built up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen? Okay, let me get back over here. Romans chapter 5. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2. But by whom, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And the patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will, will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. How do we escape the wrath of God? By the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus must be applied. Amen? It's not enough to have a, a, a ceremony and, and go, you know, go out and paint some blood over your door anymore or put some you know, back up. When COVID first happened, people were painting around their doors with red, red paint or symbolizing because it happened at the same time as Passover. And God was calling his people inside. He was telling you to get in there and pray. Get in there and seek my face. Get in there and put your faith and your trust in me. But it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ that's going to save us. Amen? God did not tell us to go inside and pray and hover in fear. Amen. We are still not walking in fear. Amen? Amen. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. We must walk where God tells us to walk and do what he calls us to do because he is just and right and holy and everything he does is right. Amen. And therefore, because everything he does is right, he sent his son to give his life in exchange for ours. He sent his son to give his life in exchange for ours. How right does that seem? Would you send your son to give your life, his life? Would you, say, would you say to your own flesh and blood, go, give your life. I want you to be, go through these things. You're gonna, they're going to torture you. They're going to spit on you. They're going to revile you. They're going to curse my name. They're going to treat you every vile way that they can. And they're going to crucify you. They're going to nail you to a cross after they make you carry the cross, after they beat you, and after they put this cross 
crown of thorns upon your head, then you're going to suffer on the cross. And then you're going to give up the ghost for these people. Could you look at your son and tell him that? Go and do this. What is for the greater good? Devon was like, no, no. I mean, maybe you could, if you knew that it would save thousands and thousands of people, if you knew that even just one person could escape the wrath of God and escape the pits of hell. Amen. We, you know, I, I heard somebody say something just a few seconds ago, and it reminded me as we were reading the book of Revelation there that we are seeing, we're in the month of October. So when you go to the stores and when you drive through the neighborhoods and you drive through the city, you see all this hellacious looking stuff. Amen. And everybody thinks hell is funny. People think saying hell is funny. It's not funny. Amen. I hear people walking through the store and I hear people on the, on the radio playing, the music's playing, and they're saying, um, my life is hell. No, it's not. You don't, you don't even know the wrath of God. Amen? You don't even know what hell is. Then the, in the next breath, they're singing, it, it feels like the Holy Ghost. No, it ain't the Holy Ghost. What you're talking about, that is not the Holy Ghost. Amen? They don't even know what the Holy Ghost feels like because they don't know him. This is an abomination to sing stuff like this. Amen? Amen. It's sick and perverse. How much closer do we need to go to to getting closer to being like Sodom and Gomorrah before we wake up and begin to cry out to God? But as born-again believers, When we are born again and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, we are set free and we escape the wrath of God. Amen? We must walk in it and we must continue in that faith until either the trumpet sounds and we are caught up to meet him in the air or we we go by the grave. Whichever way it is, we need to continue in faith until our very last breath on earth. Amen? Praise God, because everything that he does is right. Amen? Let's pray. Does anyone have any prayer requests this evening, this morning? Yes? Uh, uh, One more prayer.